0: Welcome, my friends, to another episode of Is That Really Legal? with Eric Rubin. Today, my guest is Liz Bishop. She's an actress I've known since the mid-90s when we did fundraising operettas, Gilbert and Sullivan, to raise money for world hunger. Uh, But she's got a lot more to her as you're going to meet her. She can be found uh, in movies like Little Women, and a show called Kevin can F himself. (laughs) Uh, But even before I met Liz, she had a very interesting career and life path. She started out in the mid-80s as a sidekick on Radio Luxembourg, which is pretty amazing and unusual. She met her husband when they decided to go boomeranging together. That is not a euphemism, boys and girls. Like, they really threw a boomerang around. So, you know, no creative person has a straight line in their life in any sense. So I love showing that to my audience. Um, If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it. Also, leave a rating with whatever service you use. You know, if it's Apple or iHeartRadio or um, Audible, you can find this podcast in many places. I would love to get ratings. Also, if you have questions about Liz or me, or anything. You can go to isthatreallylegal.com and there's a place for you to send me messages and ask questions. So I hope you enjoy today's episode with the lovely and talented Liz Bishop. Liz Bishop, welcome to Is That Really Legal with Eric Rubin. It is so good to see you. Um, as oh, my I'll, gosh. I'll probably say in the lead up, I have known you since the 90s. There are people listening to the show who were not born yet. And for them, I say, screw you. Um, but you and I met because we were doing um, fundraising Gilbert and Sullivan shows.
1: Uh, back in the day. And what fun were they? My gosh, we had just such a lovely family there the group of people ongoing year after year you know you, you it, it's like family you know what yeah
0: I mean? yeah and what i loved about it it was that if you showed up you participated so while you had professional performers like yourself and myself you also had people who just wanted to get in a costume and stand and sort of sing Gilbert and Sullivan <laughs>
1: Absolutely. But, uh, you know, it was all in the good name of raising funds for um, world hunger relief. So,
0: you know, a
1: little bit of philanthropy doesn't hurt either.
0: Right. And besides meeting each other, you and I, over the years that we participated, um, we met lots of other great people. You
1: can say that. And I'm so glad we've stayed connected. It's been a long time since I've seen your face since you moved off to New York for the big time.
0: Oh, Um, yeah, that's me. I'm big time. I apologize for the blank space behind me, but imagine, imagine something exciting and also imagine me tall and not, camera doesn't do me any justice. but anyway, <laughs> I'm not about me. And not Dude,
1: about I have a face for radio, so that's why I'm doing a podcast with you. Come on. Well, I
0: respectfully disagree, but let's, let's first of all, talk about the fact that you live in the Boston area. Is that where you grew up? Absolutely not. I don't
1: what? park my car in Harvard yard, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> no, grow- um. Uh, I uh, was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I literally just got off a plane. I just walked in the door from being uh, in Cincinnati uh, for a past couple of days, extending my trip uh, from a shoot that I did in Dallas. I decided at the last minute to um, go back and see friends and family in Cincinnati because, you know, carpe diem, baby. Oh, Uh,
0: well, Guaranteed tomorrow. Oh, we're doing
1: Latin? Are we doing a Latin quiz? No, but... uh
0: uh it, you haven't seen me uh, i have carpe diem
1: nice okay. with a
0: heartbeat in between
1: excellent waveform you look your sinus wave looks very strong dude
0: thanks that's my wife's but we'll talk oh, more about okay. that Good. um i know you haven't met her this is a different one <laughs> so anyway um let's back up a second sure. first of all you know that dallas and cincinnati are not close so you made a real choice to get on that flight due north good for you. But so you grew up in the Cincinnati, Ohio area till when? When did you leave the Midwest? So,
1: yeah, at 17 I went to Miami of Ohio. No one's ever heard of it, but we're actually older than I did. Miami. Okay, well good, good for you. Um you're one of the few. Uh and then my my junior year of um university, I was majoring I wanted to major in theater. Let's start there. And uh, because I did uh, theater from the time I was in grade school and high school and, and my parents being, you know, the depression era folks that they were, um, were totally shocked that I wanted to pursue something that, you know, was perceived to not make any money. And they're like, oh, no, you need to support yourself when you get out of college. You need a, a career. And so I showed them and I majored in elementary education, which at the time made Zero dollars, um, but it was a captive audience, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, so so you were going the education route as well as theater. I yes. should just say, Miami, Ohio, if I'm not mistaken, is one of a small liberal arts school. It is. I went to a place called Union College in Schenectady, and they're yes. very similar. So people very who similar. are looking at that kind of school are familiar with those schools.
1: Well, so the, the funny thing was, is that I, um, I did do some improv and theater while at Miami, but my junior year at Miami, my uh, professors in the uh, education department approached me to be one of four people sent to Europe to do their practicum teaching semester, the final semester of your entire career of college, uh, which is a classroom experience. And uh, they saw my outgoing personality, I guess, and uh, figured or let's get her off campus, you know, um, <laughs> I, you know one, of, one of the it's probably you know, the former, you know, you never know. But um, I was like, gung ho and just ready to go. And um, off I went to uh, the Miami had a pilot had a, um, a junior year abroad program in Luxembourg, and we would be the adjunct people to test uh, working at the American International Schools or Department of Defense schools to get that practicum teaching semester. So I went off with, um, with my elementary, future elementary degree with somebody who was teaching high school, someone who was teaching middle school, and someone who was teaching an art program. And uh, we began the pilot program. And literally my first week there I went to a cafe, uh, a, a coffee shop, they're called. And, uh, I was talking, ordering my coffee and this gentleman came up behind me and said, Oh, pardon me. You're, you're American, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, what of it, you know? <laughs> and, um, and, and he said, Oh, I, I, I just think America is so lovely. Do you mind if we chat? And I'm like, okay, what's this? This guy's 10 years older than me. I'm like, fine. You know, it's not a bar daytime and felt very safe. Anyway, we talked all about America and found out that he was on a radio station called Radio Luxembourg and he was a main DJ and he found out that I had done college radio and he said, oh, would you like to come up and see my radio? You know, I'm like, like you're (laughs) right. Okay.
0: Take a so, look at my microphone. Sure, buddy.
1: Correct. Yeah. Is this thing on? You know how that works? Um, And uh, <laughs> and so. This
0: went south very fast. Went that's okay.
1: But legit, you know, we we drive to Radio Luxembourg uh, and there's a guard at the gate and we go in and I saw their brand new refurbished radio station. And um, literally like on the spot, he offered me a job to be a sidekick, comedy relief, you know, straight man to his comedy stuff drop-ins, voiceovers. And I'm like, yeah, because I know all about the bench. I can I can do it all. And so we, we started up, you know, doing radio bits while I was teaching during the day and doing radio at night. And then when the records were spinning, because they were LPs back in the day, we brainstormed business ideas. And we started a business called Snack Attack, Europe's first sandwich delivery service, or Luxembourg's first uh, they they had their, got their first McDonald's in 1985, so they were a little behind the curve.
0: Wow, and, but let me just back up a second. You said you knew how to use the bench, and you're talking records. Yeah. Just for you folks at home, there was a pre-digital world, and I went to my college radio station and DJed there did news and sports, so there was a time when maybe they had what we called carts or.
1: Oh, track cartridges, baby, yeah. Yeah,
0: so for like commercials or PSAs, public service announcements. So right. this is back in that day, right?
1: So back in that day, we had reel-to-reel tape that we would then splice and make our own carts for our drop-ins and voiceovers and commercials and things, yeah. Right. So, you know, you had to learn how to work that um, analog equipment with, you know, the flader, faders to fade, one song out where you're fading another one in and you're talking over and telling you know announcing the the name of the tune because none of it was over the airwaves and and you couldn't look and see the name and who did it and what year it was on your phone so that didn't exist (laughs) so so it was it was big fun um and we brainstormed business ideas and because of that we opened this place called snack attack and that's how I met my husband because he called and ordered a sandwich and as the story goes I delivered
0: Well, let me back up a second. Your husband was living in Luxembourg at the time.
1: So the crazy thing is he attended Miami of Ohio as well, the same years I did. However, he was in the business school and I was in the education school. You never met him before. He was in a fraternity and I was like a GDI for anybody who knows what that is. That means goddamn
0: independent for you. Yeah. Don't know because I was in a fraternity
1: right so um yeah i i uh i was a bit out there with the artsy crowd let me just say that i used to have pink bangs before.
0: what house was he in
1: he is um oh my god uh ba, ba, ba. boy it'll come to me
0: yeah right good point just on the odd chance that we were fraternity brothers and didn't know it
1: Which um, fraternity? maybe that'll spark my memory
0: by sigma kappa
1: definitely not
0: okay And and very unlikely.
1: He's Faisai.
0: Okay. I know it. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and by the way, kids, if you are wondering what fraternities were or want to talk more about that with me, you can go to isthatreallylegal.com. There's a place there for you to leave me messages and give me your thoughts. Try to keep them relatively clean. And I will talk about them either on the show or get back to you. Um, But Anyway, back to Liz Bishop. Um, So you meet your husband on a delivery that... um, I'll just keep it clean. Did you start dating him uh, right away? Or? Actually,
1: he was more interested in my large chested friend, Katie. Oh. Um, so, um, so, but that's okay. There, it was a group of expats um, that got together uh, quite regularly for you know Chinese, you know buffets and movies and things, and um, you know it. It actually then became more apparent that, oh, that's the cough button, um, more apparent that, uh, that, you know, I had the better personality. Let's go back. back.
0: The whole package is better. I mean. Oh,
1: why, thank you. Thank you you so much. So, um, so yeah, no, we, he asked me on a, um, a boomerang date and to which I said, he said, you know, asked, would you like to go boomeranging? I'm like, oh yeah, let me see if Katie's busy. And she said, he said, no, just, just you and me. I'm like, okay. Okay.
0: Now, for those, I have to tell you, you, we've boomeranging. Unless I'm mistaken, that is an Australian sport. Luxembourg, throw me a curveball as well as a boomerang. Is it something just it was popular at the time?
1: No, that's my husband. He's a very unique individual as well, and um, you know, I think I, I'm not sure if he brought one from America or he bought it there. I can't remember, but we drove to the middle of nowhere to learn together how to throw a boomerang because they do come back and you catch them.
0: Yeah, and by the way, don't try this at home or in my neighborhood in Brooklyn because you will kill somebody and possibly yourself. Side note, there's a Sherlock Holmes episode with the relatively new one with Mr. Cumberbatch. I don't know if you've watched those episodes on the BBC. I have, but
1: not the one with the boomerang.
0: There's one where a boomerang plays a role. Um, but in any event, um, they can travel quite a distance
1: and they can go very fast. It's based on the size of the boomerang. So the larger the boomerang, the bigger the circle. Okay.
0: This is all about dating now. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh,
1: that's, that's, (laughs) I was just in Texas where the billboards advertise, um, male enhancement, let's just say on the side of the road. So, So you can. Because everything's bigger in Texas, or at least they want to be.
0: Right, good, good call. So, um, so you end up meeting and ultimately marrying this fellow Yank. Um, You know, you're back in the states. How did you ultimately end up in the Boston area? Because that's how long I know you from that.
1: Great. Yes. No. So, because um, let's see, I was running the business. uh, You know, we weren't made millionaires overnight with snack attack. Uh, I parlayed that a little bit into um, being a bartender at a um, Mexican restaurant and uh, and ultimately managed the bar.
0: Uh, in Luxembourg?
1: Yeah, in Luxembourg. It was a Mexican restaurant owned by Canadians, run by Argentinians. Now, Luxembourg, you guys should look it up, please. It's a very multinational um, country. And back in the early 80s, um, it was quite provincial. Uh, like I said, it got their first um, McDonald's in 1985. Well, um, it was the middle to late 80s that Luxembourg, that Switzerland decided to turn states evidence for the IRS for um, secret holdings of monies. And Luxembourg is where all that many then left Switzerland to come to Luxembourg. Uh, and it was the seat of the one of the seats of the European Parliament. And um, so it has 128 international banks all in one little country the size of rhode island
0: lots of chocolate too but yeah and the swiss still just as a side note not to get political there's still a lot of money and other stuff the swiss have that they haven't talked about uh that was looted from a variety of people during the 30s and 40s exactly
1: that's why they turned it over to the
0: irs yeah all right well let's leave the swiss alone for a moment i have friends in basel and uh, other and burn and they know well, they're, and the other they're, they're thing is you know yes. they have
1: more they have more guns per person per capita than united states citizens
0: switzerland yep.
1: look it up yep oh, I,
0: I believe you and far less gun accidents but again okay. we're not gonna get into no that no, no, no. Just, just
1: it's a little tidbit for the next time you want to be who one wants to be who wants to be a millionaire because i know i've auditioned for the show
0: you will be my call you'll be my call uh but um, at, so, so you, you basically, it's interesting to me that you have, since I've known you, been this sort of blend of creative performer and entrepreneur. So it's actually not that surprising that that's your roots as well. And I, in case you haven't listened to a lot of the show, and I'm gonna assume you haven't, um, I like people who listen to understand there's no straight line in life. That if they see someone who's successful, whether it's Madonna, who, you know, was an overnight success after 10 years of uh, yeah, working like I, in clubs or whatever. Yep. I'm sorry. I, like I just, all of us. Right. Uh, or people who didn't, you know, who there's no straight line and there's plenty of hurdles and there's lots of lessons.
1: I love this, Eric. Yes.
0: Yeah. And also, especially that women and queer people, and people of color, you know, should not think that they can't do anything um of course i have a few white guys on the show too just to round it out like myself but uh, in any event um i've never been struck by any sense that you felt you couldn't do something
1: no i think my um my esprit de corps is it's an improv an ongoing life is an improv yes and you know you you have to be continually open To what the universe has in store for you by just saying yes to everything and anything and then magically doors open up because you say yes to whatever it is i have very young people you know i'm 58 now Mm -hmm. and i i do these films with young people who are straight out of college or didn't go to college and want to be successful you know actors and they haven't necessarily done the time to invest in classes, or they majored in theater, and it it was very easy because they were a big fish in a small pond, but now they're trying to, like, chase fame and fortune. And my advice to them is that's not how that happens unless you're very, 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 very lucky or connected. And... um,
0: And even then, it's not necessarily lucky because you may find the circumstances are not what provide happiness anymore like you said oh the, once i get the big role once i get the money once i get the adoration i'll be happy and then they discover that's not what makes you happy it's and a trap. then yeah it's a big it's a big crash for many people
1: yeah. or it's a trap because then you just want the bigger better next one And, or it's fleeting or you'll never get picked up again. So, but I have, I have young people, friends that come to set and they complain that, oh my gosh, I only had one line. I can't believe I drove all the way here for a fitting and then all the way here for a, and I'm like, but you got one line and the next time you're going to get two and, and so on and so forth. So it's a, it is a non-linear thing for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So So let's get, again, back up a little bit to ultimately leave Luxembourg, I assume. Was that at the normal course or did you stay longer at Luxembourg?
1: Well, my provisional certificate for teaching um, uh, lasted for four years. And I had to come back to the States and get a teaching job or reapply to a state to get my certification, you know, back online with continuing education or what have you. And um, so I I announced to Mike that, you know, hey, I think I need to um, go back to the States because, you know, I went to get a teaching degree and I'm not teaching and, you know, that's my, my career and, um, and I should do that. And he said, well, I'll come with you. I'm like, well, I can't make you leave your job, but he's like, but I want to. So, um, so we decided that my job could go anywhere in the U.S. being a teacher and his job being in finance um, he would be New York, Chicago, Boston, San Francisco, but his family w- lived outside of Boston in Worcester, Massachusetts, wow. and uh, and they're from his actual mother and father were born and raised in Ohio, so you know my roots as well, and so we came to Boston because we would have familial support um, right there, and it worked out well for both of us. But I never taught. I, <laughs> I, I, um, I, I. I got picked up at a, um, startup company. It was the go-go eighties and, um, being a gal Friday kind of person with a lot of energy and, um, and chutzpah and, you know, just stick-to-itiveness grit, um, you know, I can do anything. I just, I just have this feeling that, you know, Hey, I'll learn it or I'll figure it out or I'll find out how to learn it and do it. So I started with a startup company and, um, In the startup company, I was the fourth employee out of, uh, sorry, the fifth employee out of the five founders, because I did absolutely everything to get our offices started. And it was the precursor to a Google with a search engine. And in fact, one of our engineers did go off to Google and cashed out at 40 mil. So um, he's doing all right. But um, so uh, this company was called Individual Incorporated. And when I say I had to do everything, I did everything, including their voicemail systems. And that's how I fell into the career of combining that with my radio life to my industrial voice talent career, where I've been working for 25 years um, in a booth. That's why I have lovely skin because I never got <laughs> in the sun. And, um, and I hire and manage uh, international voice talent and translation. So it's not just me you hear anymore. So I work with um, dialects and languages uh, you know globally to get things done for people. Um, so it's Liz Bishop industrial voice talent and um, I have a little studio in my house so I do the I'm the person that people love to hate Eric the please hold someone will be with you shortly okay
0: Cue the music for the girl from epanema
1: yeah well, do, 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 <laughs> wait I
0: can't afford it don't, don't oh don't sorry, sorry that's fine. Right. Okay. Um,
1: mute that section.
0: Sure, but uh, yeah, I the the people uh, don't hate the voiceover person. What uh, as I'll say, I just hate the fact that it's a lie when they say your call is very important to us. If it we're important to you, you take my call, and you won't be right with me, and that's fine. I think we ultimately all make a decision. How long are we going to hold, and then just live our lives? It's true. So um,
1: so, and that's that's how you know I've been making a living. My my meat and potatoes work has been the voice career and managing this talent and and I still did theater
0: right now along the way kids
1: yes do you see well for the folks at home gray hair,
0: uh, yeah, gray but hair. Oh, I have gray hair I don't have kids but I consider that's all client related
1: well it's it's uh it's life it's called uh, it's the rich patina where the silver is woven in my hair the gold's in my teeth and the lead's in my ass
0: you have a very Laura Linney look. That's what I would and say. And everyone, like
1: all the time, and the delivery, when people hear me speak, they're like, oh, you you sound like Laura. Next on PBS. <laughs> so, um, so yes, thank you very much. Um, so, if, if, Laura, if you're listening, you need a stand-in or...
0: Maybe a sister.
1: Call me, call my agent.
0: Yeah. So, are you,
1: uh,
0: how old are, you, are the kids? Are they out of the house?
1: 26, 24, and 22 um so my husband and i will have been married uh for 31 years in october together for 36 now Congrats. and um yep it's i don't uh, think well, i
0: have that amount of time when you combine all my marriages together <laughs> so good well, on you
1: <laughs> some people like variety you know other others you know like consistency
0: and some so, like litigation
1: <laughs> <laughs> well
0: do what you gotta do i
1: bless you um, so yeah, so from, from the same genetic material, more or less, uh, <clears throat> our oldest is the artist, the dreamer, the poet, the improver, um, she's just a, a, a delight, obviously, of creativity, just constantly at a different vibration than most people on the planet, and um Our son is uh, the nerd. He has his master's degree in machine learning and uh, computer science, and he works for Amazon Robotics. And then our jock child, our youngest daughter, is at the US Naval Academy. She's a senior this year, graduating in May, and probably commissioning into the Explosive Ordnance Disposal (coughs) Unit because she wanted to compete with her soon-to-be SEAL boyfriend.
0: Okay, I got to stop here and just say that this is something I know a little bit about. So for people who want a little education, the United States Naval Academy, also known as Annapolis, is one of, I believe four military academies in the United States, all of which are incredibly competitive. And in order to even have a shot at getting in, you need your congressmen and your senators to write a recommendation. Or the president. Plus, your (laughs) grades have to be beyond fantastic. Your test scores have to be amazing. And you have to either be an incredible athlete who letters and stuff, know some languages, play an instrument. Like, you can't just be run of the mill. So your daughter clearly has a lot going on. Plus, once you get there, I have several people who are friends of mine who went to Annapolis. They are amazing human beings who survived a very difficult education and uh went on to serve their country amazingly well uh uh josh root if you're listening he's a former client of mine who was a he went into the marines <clears throat> yeah yeah and he flew cobra copters on missions uh in various uh I hate to call them wars i don't know what you call them but he served his country and thank you josh so anyway um so it's hard. Um, I do root for Navy against Army when I do see the games. we we'll in, um, in
1: December. Thank you. We'll be thinking of you.
0: <laughs> and I actually sailed in Annapolis because there is a small sailing school nearby. So I beautiful. recommend people just go to Annapolis to take a tour of the school, but also the town is amazing. All right, they I just so didn't... beautiful. Now, oh and by they- the way, I, I just want to say for people who don't know, when you leave the academy, you are a commissioned mm-hmm. officer. But you choose, you can stay in the Navy, you can become a Marine, and if you want, you can enter SEAL training. And if you don't know what SEALs are, I can't even begin to go into that. You could talk to my good friend, Suzanne Brockman, pick up one of her books, look it up on the internet, people. They are the top-ranked commandos. Unfortunately, they don't take women. Otherwise, my guess is your daughter would do that.
1: Actually, they just announced this past spring that the first woman made it to the SEAL training, I'm not sure that she, I can't remember exactly if she, but it, you know, they're starting, it is so incredibly, incredibly physically demanding to be a SEAL and they put you through hell and back to do it. So, but, you know, these are the people who we want in our military, the people who want to be there. And I don't, we don't, Eric, need to make it seem like it's impossible for people to do this. It's a pursuit if you have a a young teenager who is um, uh, full of heart. Uh, because it, it's a lot about grit more than um, you know. It's not giving up. So you may not be the supreme student or the supreme athlete. You have to be in great physical shape. Don't get me wrong. But they will also get you into great physical shape. But it's a four-year university. You must graduate in four years. And the government—that's you and I, Eric—we pay for that. It's a free education.
0: Right. Um, well, free and then you agree to stay in the service for a certain period of time, five, five years. Five
1: years upon graduation.
0: By the way, I know for a fact with SEAL training, it's always the guys who look like they're ripped and can do anything who end up bringing out early, meaning they quit. The standard SEAL is someone who's in great shape, but like you said, it's about they just refuse to quit. And they stop a certain part of training because they get to a point where they know they will not quit anymore and then they just don't want to hurt them anymore so there comes a point where they're just not going to quit no matter what you it,
1: it's fascinating but the bottom line is everyone should take a quick drive to annapolis maryland because it is absolutely stunningly gorgeous and um you know you can it's you can make it a day trip almost
0: yeah it's, it's, it's uh, it you have to be expensive
1: great stuff to see
0: yeah but stay in a nice place too because uh, it's a lovely place anyway back,
1: back don't go back. in may because it'll cost you an arm and a leg because graduation
0: oh yeah that's insanity. um so congratulations and congratulations to your daughter and to all your kids um because as i heard you love them all equally we they're will crushing. not th- say that again
1: they're crushing it
0: they're, oh yeah
1: they're each well, individual
0: thing well they have some pretty solid parents and, uh, yeah, so well, you,
1: you've met my husband, Eric, do you remember? I, our, our I do, but we're not going to talk you? about Okay. It. We won't talk about that. Okay, great. But
0: I'll just say this. I did a special improv for Liz that, um, I ended up, we ultimately uh, got together and I, I think ended up getting fed at your house, um, okay. as a result. Yeah. And, um, yes, no, your family's lovely. Your home is lovely if you're still living in the same place. Um, I do okay. want to bring, I, I do want to bring up something, uh, before I forget, um, we had said something about carpe diem and I'd shown you my tattoo for people who've been following me to you know about my wife. My wife had a sudden illness a few years ago that required, yeah, a, a series of brain surgeries. She's fine. She, I'll talk to you more about it after. But at one point we had to make a decision about a surgery and she said carpe F and diem, the whole thing fully up. And that became a motto for us, carpe I'm just going to say it, kids, carpe fucking diem. And so we ended up, she has only one tattoo, and it's this. We have the same tattoo on our left arms. Um, yeah, thanks. But um, you and I have lost some friends along the way over the past 20 years that we've known each other. Um, and I just wanted to talk about this sense of carpe diem. Regardless of whatever your political thoughts are about what's happening in the country, I think we can all agree we've been going through a difficult time and a difficult health situation. Um, I just wanted to bring up a good friend of ours because he just keeps coming up for me while we're talking. Bill Kuhlman. I assume you knew I was going to talk about Bill.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, what so, a minute. Yeah. Bill and I knew each other since, I'm going to say since I was in college, so the early 80s because He was in a band and Suzanne Brockman was in a different band, and you know, uh, he's I also thought,
1: from Ohio.
0: Yes, that's right. He's from a town called Finley,
1: yeah.
0: Um, and his wife is from Akron, I think. Maybe it was nice people are from
1: Ohio. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <And that's, laughs> he used to joke about that saying, Have you ever noticed how many people are from Ohio? It's meaning, they don't. To be from, yeah. Um, so Bill was a great performer we worked in gilbert and sullivan with him he and i were in a professional acapella group together and bill had serious a lot fun, of- yes serious fun you can probably still find our cds out there somewhere i don't have any for you folks i'm sorry um but the main thing i wanted to tell people was that bill had a lot of life and love and he did not smoke and he got lung cancer and this is not to bring people down he survived for a couple of years with some experimental stuff and did great and then suddenly it was over and very suddenly really um and throughout the whole thing he maintained great spirits he was a really. Um, uh, inspiration to a lot of people and I bill if you could hear us I love you to death, but my point in bringing up Bill is that you look good i'm glad we're getting to talk but um. I don't want to pass over this thought. Like if you think you want to do something now is the time, right?
1: Eric, Eric this is why I was, I booked a, a SAG low budget feature in Dallas and I was there last week filming. And, um, it's called I'm possible starting Sherry Shepard is going to be in it. And, um, and the, uh, mother from uh, family matters, uh, Joe Marie Payton to name the two people that. I know would be in it. Um, And I literally, when I was wrapping on Sunday night, I looked at my calendar and my schedule these days is so jam-packed with, um, it's a constant merry-go-round of submissions, self-tape auditions, callbacks, live callbacks, bookings, and all the business of the biz that goes on. And this is also, you know, through my agent and then things that I find on my own. And I looked at my schedule and I know that, um, I cannot book a trip and say first week of November, I'm going here because I just never know what's going to be filmed, where I'm going to be needed. And so I looked at my schedule and I said, you know what? My mother's 92nd birthday would have been on Tuesday. And this is Sunday night at 1230 at 1030 at night. And I said, I don't care what what it costs or, you know, how it inconveniences me for like, I play bridge competitively. I have two bridge groups that I'm in and I had to cancel and postpone those. But I said, I'm going to go to Cincinnati and do what my mother would have loved for her birthday and see my family and see my friends. And it was all very last minute. And if you could see me, that's great. We had a meal. If you couldn't, we talked on the phone while I was driving to meeting somebody with a meal because I don't get back to Cincinnati. With, with COVID and the shutdown, I think we've come to focus on what's really important is the connections in life, the, you know, the people that matter to us and keeping those connections alive. And it's really tough on one hand, it's easy because we can all text, but then we never do. And so I put you know boot to butt, rubber to the road and I called my husband and I said, hey, I'm gonna go to Cincinnati for three days. And I just changed my Southwest baby you know, no change fees, and um, they just switch gears, and uh, lo and behold, I found myself, you know, Monday night in Cincinnati, and Tuesday, I spent the day going to my mother's birthplace, and she was an artist, so I went to the Cincinnati Art Museum, and I enjoyed her favorite ice cream uh, at her graveside, and... Um, That's and, so sweet. Right, and I I just, I, I communed with my mother in that way, and I wanted to say with Bill being gone in quotes you know the people who die never die until you die and you stop thinking of them because love
0: survives I I really appreciate that and for people who don't know Liz she's not giving you some kind of a homespun you know uh I don't, what do they call those samplers that you put on the wall like you really platitude. It, re-
1: it's not a platitude no it's, 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 it's real
0: I I get it. By the way, as a side note, I had nothing to do with the movie, but the movie Coco really reminded me of that. Um, If you've seen the Disney movie where the Day of the Dead stuff, but that's not my culture. Yeah, Yeah. oh my God. But I I agree with you. And um, it's been- So I did it. Yeah, that's great. You know, Zoom, I I work uh, with a a couple of, a whole bunch of people that we do how do I put this? I do seminars uh, on being here, being present. And uh, they involve people literally all over the world. And we used to do them once a month somewhere in New York. Now we do them weekly on Zoom. And I can see my friend in Hong Kong, another one in Sydney, several in Basel, Switzerland, several in Hamburg or Cologne. And we all hung out, hang out together. And in a strange way, COVID has been really great for me to see my friends. If you, like, this is when you make the decisions. Also, um, my wife's cousins live in Florence, Italy, as well as Colorado. I know, they go back and forth. So we are we love Sicily. We're going to go back to Sicily, but we're okay. extending a trip. I mean, everything, you know, being open and whatnot, we're going to go to Florence. And what's very interesting
1: is Good that energy. before
0: fit in. Before all of the COVID and before my wife's health issue, if she said, I want to take the extra week and go to Florence, then I don't know if I can take two weeks from work. Or, but now it's like, I'll just take my laptop and, you know, I'll wake up extra early or stay up late. If I have to, there's Wi-Fi everywhere. And then we'll go to, you know, the Uffizi gallery, or we'll just go get a coffee in the middle of whatever square. Do you like
1: Florence, by the way? Oh, absolutely. I've been to Florence uh, two or three times. Living in Europe was definitely easy to go see these wonderful places. Uh, you know, it was the 80s. I was in my 20s. I had I had even more energy. Um, but, uh, you know, we've, we've instilled in our kids the um, uh, ability to, you know, question and learn about other cultures. And we've taken them all over the globe uh, to get a perspective that's other than your own backyard or your own bubble town or you know whatever it is because you need to expand your horizons. You know it dovetails with my business because I pick up little bits of languages because I think that's how you communicate with people in the world overall. If you even attempt to say you know bonjour to someone who's French, they, it blows their mind because in America, we're the you know we're the dog wagging the tail and we think we don't have to reach out or learn about other cultures and and it it couldn't be i mean i think that's part of our great divide america is so big vast in size and we're you know 50 states of different cultures and then pockets of cultures within that but on a global um approach you know you have to leave you, you have to leave the country even if it's just to go to the Bahamas on vacation. Well,
0: you There's... will see, for instance, when I've been to Barbados, if you go away from the beach you're supposed to go to and you rent a Jeep, you'll drive and you go, oh crap, these people live very differently than you think 100%. they would behind the scenes, as it were. A
1: hundred percent.
0: And Barbados is one of the nicer of those islands, in my experience. There are some places I wouldn't leave where you shouldn't go because yes. it is intense.
1: You 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 have to be you have to be smart um but uh, again it's uh, it's the same with getting out of your comfort zone in a way and going into into a, the big city. I know there's a, I live in the suburbs outside of Boston and there's so many there my daughter my oldest um wanted to watch a film uh in Lowell, Massachusetts with her friends from high school. And the the family said, "Oh no, our son can't go." to." lol because that's a city and what was ridiculous is it the cinema was right over the border town called Chelmsford which would have been fine to go to so by the way Chelmsford
0: is a super nice uh suburb,
1: suburb yeah I mean so but you know and if you if you live your life in fear of the unknown or Or afraid of people that look different than you or sound different than you. I mean, your life is meant to be lived and enjoyed and enriched. And if you're, if you're, if you're Plato's shadows on a cave, you know, I mean, I'm getting too deep here for for the listening audience maybe.
0: Uh I'm familiar. I read the Republic, but please.
1: <laughs> so, so if you're, uh, I, I'm just trying to impress you, Eric, because I know you're very smart I'm, I'm impressed.
0: And, very uh, educated, as smart as I'd like. To be.
1: But, but if you live in that cave and all you see is your shadow uh, projected on the wall, and that's all you know, um, you know, I guess if that is is important to you and makes you happy to be comfortable, then have at it. We're still in America where you can be you and I can be me, and I think. You know, that strengthens us, but we need some more understanding in this country, not to get too political, about seeing other people's perspectives. Well,
0: I think what I like is that uh, I agree with you. I think everybody needs to travel if they can, especially in this country, which I've hit like 46 states and (laughs) outside. Yeah. And outside of this country. Um, a great example is like you say going to Italy well Florence is certainly beautiful and all the great art history of our white you know European experience is there but Sicily is also amazing and to see that there are people who actually like make food right where they live and then eat that same food I had sun-dried tomatoes that Jesus himself kissed before I ate them they were the best thing I've ever eaten in my life and I People need to go to Sicily to eat food. But aside from all of that, (laughs) you you see how self-centered we can be in America. Quick, quick story. I was having lunch with friends in Hamburg, Germany, and they were kind enough to give me a multi-language menu because they spoke English and German, but they didn't want to do the whole trip. So like, they gave me the English menu, which was multi-language. So each page had a little flag at the top, right, for each language that it was. So the French flag for French language. And I'm looking, and I keep turning, I'm like, they, this menu screwed up because I don't see an American flag. They clearly don't have, yeah, exactly. By the way, this is me, you know, with a law degree. And they're like, no, no, no. And they point to the Union Jack. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I speak English. So I was, you know, not the brightest bulb. Yeah, exactly. My point is like it's a very narrow, blinded view of the world. Um and by the way, other countries, when you go to their subway systems, I live in New York, as you know, in Brooklyn. I love the subway here. Sorry, folks, I just do. It's amazingly fast and relatively expensive for what you get. But it's relatively noisy. Efficient, right? It's noisy. It smells bad sometimes, and it's not super easy to get around if you don't know. Like I, I can take anybody anywhere. I'm very familiar with it. But in Europe, they have so much more machines, so many more machines that are multilingual, you can hit the flag and it will do, I mean, it's just, yeah. So we've got a lot to learn. I mean, I was in Spain before the before the lockdown stuff. I was in Madrid and they have beautiful subways in Madrid.
1: It's silent.
0: Hmm?
1: The art in Madrid.
0: Yeah, I went to the Prado. Yeah. I went yes. to the Regina, is it Regina? I, Sofia Regina, I think it's, it's a beautiful, I went to a bunch of galleries and things, it, yes and by the way food madrid fantastic. again yeah toledo amazing um maybe i'll just turn this into a travel uh show um but i do agree with you i think that it's really important that people travel so now what you're doing is you're a you're a working actress um you're one of three now people in boston that i know of who can actually and it's probably more like 5 to 10 yeah. who are are making money acting in boston because it's not a huge city. Frankly, I think of Boston as a town uh, more than yeah, a city. Yeah, New York. Yeah, I, and so you may even know the people I'm talking about, like Amy Daugherty. I don't know if you know who that is. She does a lot of theater. I just spoke with my friend, Shauna Saron. But you also don't do a lot of theater in Boston. You, know, you are a voiceover and film actress for the most right.
1: part, right? So my, my theater, because... Um, because I was in the burbs, raising kids, my theater exposure was um, uh, Saviard Light Opera in based in my town and uh, Sudbury Savoyards and um, Savoyard Light Opera. I I'm still brain dead. I got up at four today. Um,
0: By the way, thanks for coming to the show. I appreciate
1: you. You're. I'm so pleased to be here. Um, Concord Players was my um, my house of choice for uh, performing. Um, I, I just, I did a very heartwarming uh, show there called The Spitfire Grill. Oh, and I, yes. I played the town busybody, Effie Craneck, and it's a seven-member, really tight ensemble show of redemption and uplifting, um, you know, nature. Again, it, it, it just spoke to me, and it came into my life at a time, it was right after my father passed away, and it was... Um, it was just what I needed to be a part of another family and a feel-good story um, as a vehicle. It actually, interestingly enough, opened up off Broadway um, September two thousand and one. Wow! Uh, literally September two thousand yeah, and one. it probably didn't, didn't last one. long.
0: Given what no, happened.
1: because no one went to New York after that. So, um, so but there's a there's a movie version that you can see for people out there. But if you ever have a, ch- which is not a musical, but if you ever have a chance to see the Spitfire Grill, the musical. I would highly recommend it.
0: I just want to point out for people who aren't who might not understand this. When you get a call for a voiceover, either you get to audition for it or you you might they might just say hey it's yours. You'll get the copy meaning the pages of the ad or the piece whatever it is. You'll get them faxed or I guess emailed really. Yeah. Um you'll get them emailed. And then you'll either do the audition or record it. And the turnaround time on that, regardless of how it's done, is very quick. And when you get offered a role for a film, and I know this from my own experience, you audition and then within a week, you usually get the call back. And then you'll be given, if you get the job, you'll be given a set of dates where you need to be available to film and you go do it and you're done. And unless you're the lead, your involvement in all of these things is days, literally days, yeah. maybe a few days for any of the things I mentioned. If you're in theater, even if you have the smallest part, you now have a three-month commitment, Yeah.
1: <laughs> basically.
0: Because- Like uh, weekends. weekends. And when, when I did an equity production in Boston of- into the woods. Actually, it was in Newton, Massachusetts of the new rep. I had the smallest part in the show. It was the father, Cinderella's father. By the way, I drew that part again in a heartbeat. That show was amazing. And that group was amazing. And many of those people went on to do Broadway. But my point is there were three weeks of rehearsals, which were basically nine to five. That was a full-time job because it's equity. It's a, the union. Yep. So you're all day, which a lot of people can't do that. And then after those three weeks, you start production of, depending on, you know, it could be eight to 10 shows. No, it's not that. It's eight shows a week or maybe a few less. So you're doing every evening and doubles on the weekends. And maybe you're doing a Wednesday matinee. It depends. But that's your schedule. And you hope it runs for like 10 weeks, 13 weeks, whatever. And so that's three months. If you are a mother of anyone who's not already in high school, maybe, you can't do
1: that. It's it's tough,
0: right?
1: It it, it is tough. And I have the support of my um, my husband and my family. And I I pulled uh, my youngest onto the stage. I mean, she uh, was a ballerina before she got involved in luge and then was in the junior Olympic program for luge. But that's for another another time. Um, I like
0: from ballerina to uh, blowing shit up.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, she's a rebel. What can I say Uh, with it with an eight pack? by the way um but uh so no. i don't
0: i don't care about women's physiques let come on okay bubble. you're
1: not shallow i like that no, yeah. listen so i i i did theater while i could when i could but few and far between and literally little little women fell into my lap because one of our friends alan rower from the savvyard uh, sudbury savvyards posted on facebook one day that little women um was looking the uh, uh, Sony production uh, that was just being filmed up here. Was looking for people to be background actors, and my mother um, had just passed away in 2017. In 2018, I was going to spend like going through her things and and wrapping up the estate and you know that type of thing. And I said, oh, I I don't have time for that. Well, Alan said, hey, I'm going to audition or you know I'm going to put in for this. And then the next thing he said, I got booked. And I'm like, well, hell, if they want his gray hair you're gonna want this so I jumped right on that and um and they picked me up for seven days and I played multiple roles in the background you know I'm in frame with Emma Watson and Saoirse Ronan and um, you
0: look like New England by the way whether you're Ohio or not I mean plus that was in my opinion the best movie of that year
1: Greta Gerwig it was her love note she loved the book personally as a child growing up and a teen and read it over and over, and she knew it intimately. And working on a production with her, um, there's one scene that it's hard to tell from the movie, but the principals are going to see a play, and they're watching the play that's going on, a melodrama, and then the principals are sitting in the theater, uh, the small church theater, and then I'm in the background in the theater, and to watch Greta direct not only the melodrama going on, and the principals, and the background at the same time. It was a maestro with the symphony watching her um, do her work. It was like a master class of watching what a director does. Anyway, I thought that was lightning struck. That was fun. Off I go.
0: Fantastic. And, by the way, I you know for those of you who get a chance, you should go to the Alcott House in Concord, Massachusetts. And by the way, the Walden players, or the Concord players in Walden, and you talked about them, I've done several shows there too, including a version of Little Women um every 10 years they do a version of little women there it is in fact the descendant of louisa may alcott's original theater company yeah. so people really if you get a chance to go to concord massachusetts in that area especially in the fall come on it's gorgeous there yeah, um true. And, and and like i said i cried when that movie ended i wept i think every, that movie was fan freaking text
1: every scene so i was in one scene in particular Where um, I had, this is the one where I walk behind Emma and Sersha and um, 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 what's her name from Midsummer? Um, Losing my mind. Anyway, we had to start off in the fake post office where it looked like we were at Disney World or Disneyland where absolutely everything is 2AT set, decorated, like nothing phony. They had real chickens, you know, dead chickens in the butcher shop in the window, you know. So and they came through and they lit the uh, the the gas lanterns so that or the oil lanterns in the post office because it's the you know 1860s and and um, so we had to leave and walk across a boardwalk that they made total Hollywood, but just every scene of that film is a is a um, painting, a still life. Um, so just on that level, it's just a scrumptious, gorgeous film. Um, anyway, I didn't think that would ever happen again. I like that was fun. I really enjoyed that. And then I told you I played competitive bridge. Well, back in the day, it used to be in person and, um, I would go to the church and park and go and play for three hours and compete. And one day I showed up at this church and in the parking lot are movie trailers. I'm like, Oh my God, that's a movie trailer. What's that all about? So I knock on the Teamster's door and I'm like, "Hey, um, what's being filmed here?" And they said, "Oh, it's defending Jacob with Chris Evans." And I'm like, "Oh, really? Who's doing the casting?" And it turned out it was Kendall Cooper casting out of Virginia, the same one that did Little Women. I'm like, huh, "I want to call them up see if I can get on that one." And I did, and they picked me up again for like another seven days of background, where I played uh, a lawyer and a journalist. And I'm I'm I counter. Chris running into the um, courthouse in one of the scenes and we ran that scene no fewer than 24 times because he was executive producer and he was also working with the director very closely so we're dressed for midwinter, and it's mid-July and He's running in and I'm running, running in, I'm running out he's running in I'm running out he's running in I'm running out and my little story here is that you kissed him
0: you couldn't help yourself you no, just grabbed I,
1: him I you know I thought about it but at <laughs> the end of the scene was, very uh, handsome.
0: Sorry.
1: So at the end of the day, when we were wrapping, I'm waiting inside the vestibule of the courthouse to cross through the set to get in the bus to go back to you know get my stuff and leave, and um, and he's still continuing to film and he's standing five feet away from me and we had just run this scene and I collected my things and it was an Apple TV production I had my fake Apple prop phone and I f- f- fumbled it and it fell on the ground and it fell between he and I. And I went to bend over to get it, but I was so shitzy from like, I was like Velcro my, cause I'm wearing a suit, uh, a lady lawyer suit with a, and then a ho- heavy overcoat and scarves. And right. I went to bend over and like, I couldn't, I was stuck. And he bent over at the same time that my hand touched the phone. So I'm touching his hand. And uh, he goes, here you go. And I totally, you know, like I'm is old enough to be his mom. And I'm like, oh, thanks, Chris. That That's very nice of you. You didn't have to do that. And then I turned to my fellow background actors. There were two other people like in our immediate area. And I'm like, oh my God. So I, I, I haven't have, watched this hand since.
0: I have to tell you a quick quick seven story and then we're going to wrap up soon. So yeah. I was in a show at the Concord Players called Punk, which was a musical about um, the Ugly Duckling, but it wasn't a kid's musical. It was, and it wasn't adult like triple X, It was just an adult sort of thing. So, And that happened around 9-11, by the way. It's a whole other story. But his sister, Carly, was in, she, and by the way, you know these people because they're in the, that All the time. area. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the whole family's from there. And by the way, couldn't be a nicer group of people in my experience. 100%. So Carly is doing the show. She says, my brother's going to be here. It's before he was a star. He had done a couple of movies. I didn't know anything about him. Again, this is 2001. And he shows, uh, and so I'm in the show where I play a turkey, a singing, dancing turkey in a turkey outfit. Like big because um, you're big. Yeah, I, exactly. I'm 6'3", as you know. So she introduces me to her very handsome brother, who I didn't know, and an incredibly good-looking woman that he's with, who was his date at the time, in 2001. So she is no longer, she's married to Justin Timberlake. What's her name? Um, Jessica Beale. Yes. So basically, Chris Evans and Jessica Beale have seen me sing and dance as a turkey. And that's my big Chris Evans story. You're
1: so I'm glad we share a Chris Evans story. I love and him. hopefully
0: more, because um, he's a great guy, and I hope we all work again somehow together. Liz, is there anything that you wanted to talk to me about that we didn't get a chance to talk about? Um, and how can people follow you if they want oh, to?
1: Oh, IMDb. You know, I've got an IMDb Liz Bishop. What, what's crazy is that um, when I joined Screen Actors Guild uh, this spring, because I was on the AMC production of Kevin Can F himself with Annie Murphy of Shit's Creek fame, um, Yes. Uh, I I uh, I c- couldn't believe my good fortune that Liz Bishop was available for a SAG name.
0: Oh yeah, I know. I had like twenty different names ready when I was going to join. Yeah, and my name was available.
1: It, it's Eric just, yeah. Um, yeah. but uh, but I but I want to tell people that if they're at all. There's my cat being a pain in the I room. was going to say, you don't
0: have a baby, do you? It if cat. It,
1: no, Can God, I see Dad. your cat?
0: I know yeah. other people can't. Yeah. Well, I
1: can cat. show you my well, cat. Well, we can hear
0: it. It sounds like a sound effect. But that's Look, actually, oh, go. Go. oh my Here's God, that's a, a lot of
1: cats. It's a big cat. Um, <laughs> but I want to tell people that, so sure. I, I went from doing the background work with Defending Jacob and sitting around going, oh my gosh, these are my people. I always thought that film TV people were lazy bums because it, is so much to be in the theater, but I've come to appreciate that it's just a different kind of work for film and TV, and so, you know, I've been a performer all my life, and um, I've been very driven to find, you know, myself, make the opportunities to do what I want to do that makes me happy. I wanted to be a performer since I was a kid, and I feel that if people want to find true, true happiness, think about what made them happy when they were a child. And that's more than likely what you should be doing now or get busy doing now. But um, you know, I, I was, I, I've been very blessed to uh, be signed by an agency model Club Inc in Boston. Thank you very oh, much good. to the mayors if you're listening. Um, and uh, and yeah, so I can't believe my good fortune for uh, commercial work in the area uh, you know, film and TV work and uh. You know, it's it's all what you make your mindset to be. And if you audition for something and they say no, no just means not yet. Your time will come. It's a numbers game.
0: I love that. I couldn't Stick agree with, with, it. with you more. What's your cat's name? Amber. Well, Amber's very attractive and very noisy.
1: She hasn't but, seen you in a week.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Well, then I would be noisy too. Liz Bishop, I mean, I'm just so glad to see you. Thank you so much for being on Is That Really Legal with Eric Rubin. It was just a pleasure.
1: The pleasure's all mine, Eric. You look well, Um, I'm glad that your wife is back on the healthy road to recovery and you're enjoying life and that's what it's all about. Thanks Liz. You be well.
0: Well do you too. Well, I hope you enjoyed meeting Liz. It was so great to reconnect with her. She's just one of those amazing, interesting, creative women that uh, are throughout all our lives. And I'm going to keep bringing you fascinating, creative people throughout the life of this podcast. So please continue to join me here. If you have people you think I should be interviewing, or if you want to know more about the people I've already interviewed, you can go to isthatreallylegal.com and leave me a message, or also look at the bios and information that I leave there about my guests. Keep wearing masks, get those vaccines, take care of yourself and of the people around you. And I look forward to speaking to you the next time we're here together. Bye-bye.